to your podcast. My name is Vanessa, and you're listening to Imperfect Woman. The Bible tells us that above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. But ladies, loving someone can be difficult at times to express. Well, in this episode, we'll be discussing the five love languages and how to apply them into your life. Yes, girl, love has languages. So let's get started. Joining me today is a graduate from North Carolina State University, where she received a degree in nutrition science. She's currently working on a master's in industrial organizational psychology. She also served in Peace Corps Guatemala, where she dedicated two years in enhancing the health education at schools. At the age of nine, her and her family moved to America from the beautiful Medellin, Colombia. With me today from North Carolina is Luisa Jaramillo. Luisa, thank you so much for taking the time and joining me today. So happy to be here, Vanessa. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. Luisa, and I'm dying to know, and I'm sure everyone is too, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Luisa. Um, like you mentioned, I'm originally from Medellin, Colombia. Um, my family and I moved to the U.S. when I was nine, and we first moved to Miami, Florida, where we lived for seven years. And then we moved to North Carolina in 2005. And so I finished my high school years in North Carolina, and then I pursued my undergraduate degree at NC State, after which my only plan was to go into the Peace Corps. It had been kind of a life goal of mine. And so, yeah, I did that for two years. Wonderful, very enriching experience um, with a lot of growth. Um, and then after that, I've done a number of things. Um, yeah, working at a U.S. attorney's office, managing a restaurant, and then most recently, I've actually decided to go back to school to pursue a Master of Arts, as you mentioned, in Industrial Organizational Psychology, because really what I've learned over the last nine years in my working experience is that I, I can't choose one thing, one field, but I want to make work better for a lot of people. And the best way to do that is through a field that gives me the tools to do that. Um, and I'm really passionate about I think primarily living an examined life, like making sure that the life that I'm leading, the choices I'm making align with my values and with what the long view version of my life, what I want it to be. And so I want to bring that to other people in, in other fields. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm pursuing. And um, I love to read and write and also to have deep and inconclusive conversations about the things that are most important to us but are not easily defined. So, you know, Luisa, the reason I asked you to be my guest speaker today with this particular topic was because you actually introduced the book to me. I don't know if you recall that, but um, for those who don't know, Luisa and I actually served in the Peace Corps together. And Luisa, I remember that one day um, I went to go visit you at your site and we were, girl, I re I'm telling you, I remember this, like, I still remember the houses that we were passing and we were walking along and you were telling me about this book and it's five love languages. And um, at first I was a little confused about it, but you just kept, you know, you're explaining it so well to me. A few months later, I found it 
in the library. Do you remember that Peace Corps library we used to have? (laughs) (laughs) So um, I found it there and I was like, you know what? Let me just go ahead and read it. You know what? There has been a few books in life where Mm -hmm. I call life changing. And this Mm -hmm. has definitely been one for me. It, it really just, it's a great tool and it's great information to know and to practice and to mm-hmm. teach other people as well. So, you know, just to begin, can you, first of all, do me the honor and, and explain to us what, what is a love language? Mm-hmm. What are the five love languages and what, what is that? What does it look like? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. And I'm, I'm so happy to hear um, when you connected with me about this book, it's, it's just always a very good moments of connection to recognize, to realize that like something that you've read and you shared with someone has also had an impact in their life. That's one of the things that I love about reading and how expansive it can be of an experience. Um, and hopefully we can reach like more listeners too, and they can be educated just as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. Through listening to it and then being interested in the book as well. Um, so the five love languages is the idea that we all have five primary ways of both expressing love and receiving love. And so the five are quality time, words of affirmation, gift giving, acts of service, and physical touch. So those are the five. And the idea is that we all have two primary ones in which we receive love and two primary ones in which we give love. And the ways in which we receive and give love are not necessarily the same. Um, And this is not just romantic love. This is also love with family members, with friends. It's the ways in which we express that we are thinking about someone, considering someone and want to show that care that we have for them. And so I think it aligned really well with me and my interest because of that, like seeking to live an examined life. It just gave me language to think about my own preferences that sometimes like we have who we are is just sometimes we don't have language for it. It's like, Oh, that's, you assume other people are the same as you, but they're not. And they have different love languages. And so it just gives you more tools to communicate and understand other people. And that's what it's given me. It's given me tools to understand myself more and what's important to me in relationships and also to understand other people better through understanding the ways they express and feel love. Oh, definitely. And you know, the author of the book, Gary Chapman actually Mm -hmm. explains how we all have what he calls a love tank, right? Mm -hmm. So when we show people love, we are pouring into that love tank. In other words, Mm -hmm. making them feel loved. And in return, um, people go and, and make us feel loved and having our tank or love tank be just as full, right? Right, exactly. And so the thing that he touches on the book as well is that you can be showing someone love and appreciation in a way that it's not a primary love language for them. Mm. And so therefore, even though you could be doing, let's say acts of service, like if that's not their primary love language and you're going out of your way to like do an errand for them or change the car oil or like pick up something at the store, but that's not the way they receive love primarily, then it might, go over their head. It might not be something that they recognize as you expressing love. And so understanding those things is really important because we can't read people's intentions. Like we like to think that's that we good. can, but we actually can't. And, and no one's a mind reader. Like we're all trying to understand each other. And so the way we express love a lot of times is 
overlaps with the way in which we feel loved. But again, they're not necessarily the same. And so understanding someone's love language, and I'll talk about this a little bit more as we have this conversation, has helped me to understand people in my life better. Um, Whereas before, their difference to me made me feel like my way was better, like my love languages are more important than their love languages. Until this book gave me the language to understand that they're just different. So I want to know, what is your love language? So, one, well, I have two primary ones. Um, one that's been consistent for me has been physical touch. Um, that's been one of my primary love languages. It's been really consistent. And I think it has to do in part with being a very sensory person, like... Um, I'm a very cerebral person and a thinker. And so touch is really important to me as a way of like safety and calming myself. And so when someone's close to me, relationships or family or friends, like feeling safe, being close to them is really important. And so something that's important with physical touch, it's not just about sex. It's not just about romantic closeness. It's really about like, embracing, um, hand touch, just like gestures of closeness, um, being comfortable, being close to someone, hugging someone. And so, you know, even in the times of my life that I haven't been in a relationship, like I, I recognize the ways in which I really need that closeness with other human beings, with my friends, with my parents, with my mom. Um, so physical touch is definitely one of those. And then the other one I would say, is words of affirmation. And this is one that has shifted because it used to be more quality time, which is something that I still really, really value. This is the way that I both receive and give love. But I think quality time, because I surround myself with people that are really good at at being fully present and giving undivided attention, I think it shifted a little bit to me because I also really value communication, really valuing words of affirmation. Again, because you you can't know someone's intention. Naming things is something that I believe has immense power. I just believe in naming things and naming positive things, hard things, sad things, and understanding that like what we name is not permanent, you know, especially feelings are not permanent. And so I just believe in the power of naming things. um, And I think that connects directly to words of affirmation. So I would say words of affirmation and physical touch are my primary ones, closely followed by quality time. You know, for me, I'm actually going, I feel like I'm going through a weird transition at the moment. For Mm -hmm. me, it used to be words of affirmation. So honey, sweet talk me all day. (laughs) But I, if I had Mm -hmm. to choose one now, I think I would say my love language is quality time. For those who don't know, quality time is spending time together, not necessarily um, like we're in the same room, but everybody's on their phone, but spending good conversation. Um, So for an example, with my husband, I really enjoy us sitting down and just talking, talking about anything, anything. Um, And like I said, not just being on the phone, we're in the same room, but really engaging in that good conversation. And that applies to not only my husband, but you know, to my family and my friends as well. Um, I just love talking. Earlier, I did mention that um, there's a handful of books that I call life-changing. And like I said, this is definitely one of them. What was your experience with the book? And in what ways is it life-changing for you? 
Yeah, I think the book just gave really good illustrations too, because it goes more in depth beyond naming the five love languages to giving the examples of what that looks like. And for example, it's really important because gift giving is not that important to me. Um, both and it's not a way I express love and it's not the way that I receive love. And so it would be easier for me to be dismissive of that love until you read more about it and you learn that it's not really about the gift. It's more about the consideration that goes about in thinking of someone about someone and then getting the gift. So it's, it's the idea that someone's being thought of. So there's not really, it doesn't have to be an expensive gift. It's just the token of being considered of being thought of outside of like being with that person in person, like in front of them. So my experience of the book was just a lot of aha moments in a sense. Um, through the storytelling, because I think the storytelling is really persuasive. Um, and yeah, it, it just gave me more language to understand myself and other people around me. Um, so I think that was a, a way that was really practical, uh, practically applicable. And it's also the reason why I think it stayed with me in the ways in which it has is because of the story shared. It just, it draws a clearer picture of why these five love languages are true, are true that like, and the thing is we all need all five, but the way we feel and express love is primarily two of them. Yeah. And what I love about the book as well is that it even has the quiz. It's in the back, right? Mm -hmm. The quiz Mm -hmm. where you can go and just take the quiz. And also you can even find it online. I'm sure if you go on Google or something, you can definitely find it online. But taking the test, you can kind of find out which your two primary um, love languages are. And like you said, it explains it really well too. So after reading the book, I feel like I know people more. As a matter of fact, I remember just being in in my room there in Guatemala Mm -hmm. and halfway through just stopping and literally saying, wow, well, this changes how I view things, Mm -hmm. life-changing. And and I said it just like that too, (laughs) life-changing. Then I remember going around and just asking everyone, hey, what is your love language? What is your love language? Because I was so fascinated by it and how everyone um, was so different. So for an example, I actually have a friend named Erica. And Erica, I know that her love language is gifts. Mm -hmm. She just enjoys giving gifts Mm -hmm. and... um, she really does have the heart to give. Mm-hmm. So when she gives me something, like I really appreciate it that much more because I know that she put thought into right. it. Have you applied the love languages outside of an intimate relationship? So with other people such as like friends or family? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great question. I think actually, so there's different versions of the book too. And there's a version for like romantic relationships and there are other versions. I think there's a version for like kids for kids. Yeah. So there's different versions of like the same love languages, but how they can manifest differently in different relationships. But one of the first people I actually thought of when I was reading the book was my mother because her love language is gifts. And I remember being so frustrated by that growing up. And the reason was in part because like she wants a small token or a gift for all, like for mother's day, for teacher's day, for like her birthday, for Christmas, for all these days. And I don't put a lot of value on holidays and on gift giving, but then I would, it would be a friend's birthday and I would get a 
a gift for a friend and she would look at that and compare me giving a friend a gift and not giving her a gift. And she would feel so unloved. And I just felt, I used to dismiss that as being shallow. And the the book just really gave me understanding that it was just this, this depth to that. It's not about how much the gifts cost at all. It's not about materialism. It's about being considered, being thought of, and like taking the time to do something for someone else. And so I think that's the relationship, honestly, that's had the most impact on. And I've told my mom this, and even her response was like a little bit, like she didn't want to be associated as like, that's one of her love languages is gift giving. Cause she feels like it makes her sound materialistic or shallow. Like, no mom, it's not really about how much the gift costs or like what it is. It's just about being considered. And so I would say, honestly, that's been the relationship that it's impacted the most. Um, I've, I do, I mean, I, I'm single and I date. And so it comes up in conversations when I, you know, I'm dating men and just like asking what their primary love languages is. And, and, you know, and like you mentioned, and I've mentioned too, those can shift with seasons. Um, not to like a high, high degree, like not something that goes from being your primary love language to like your least important love language, but something else can become more important from those five. Um, because of the seasons that change in your life. And I think being open to that too, it doesn't have to be a fixed thing because again, it's the language of understanding the ways we receive and give love. That's, that's more important. I agree. So about get this story about five ish years ago, something along those lines, I used to work with a family, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were just discussing um, affection and what that looks like for them. You know, she tells me that her daughter is the very touchy, cuddly kind, and she's not. So she would kind of like just push her daughter away and just like, okay, stop. Like, you know, just stop. Of course, I started to share the five love languages with her and what they are. And you could tell that it was such an educational moment for her at that time. Of course, I didn't judge mom, you know, but we were talking about, okay, you weren't, because she told me I, I wasn't raised with hugs. And I said, okay, and, and mm-hmm. I get that. Um, but then now your child who's asking for a hug, that's her way of wanting that love, but you're not showing mm-hmm. it to her. So guess what she's going to grow up and be, you know? Um, so obviously, you know, mom didn't speak the love language mm-hmm. of hugs. So there was that bit of a clash. Do you mm-hmm. think that some mm-hmm. love languages clash with one another? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they definitely can. And I think the story that you just shared kind of exemplifies that or like is a good illustration of that I think you know it 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 ties to this idea of like generational trauma too so like our parents the things they don't receive at home they can't offer us a lot of times because they didn't learn that from their parents they don't know what that looks Ooh, like that's good that's good yeah and so when a child both because of nature and nurture longs for something that the parent doesn't have to offer. I think sometimes you start thinking that it's like a a problem that you have. You're asking for something that's not available. And so it's, it's suppressed. Um, I think for me, you know, it, it comes up some, yeah, in my relationship with my parents too. And I think particularly with my mom, it's representative of what she didn't receive as a child and she didn't receive a lot of attention. And I think the gifts is tied to that because it's, it's the con- being considered. Um, but the affection ties to that too. Like she's, 
she's an affectionate person, but she had to learn that outside of her household. Um, Ooh, that's good. You yeah. have to learn that. You have to learn that. Exactly. And so that's the thing with like, if you have generational trauma that goes unexamined, then it's harder to do the healing that's necessary um, because you don't know what's needed. And so you're being reactive to a need that's more innate to you that you don't have language or understanding for. Um, and so that makes a big difference. But a lot of times, you know, I, I really believe parents are doing the best they can. And sometimes they're just, they're doing what they saw as an example from their own parents. They haven't had the time or opportunity or experience to learn other ways of doing it. And so sometimes it is the children that teach the parents, like that there's another way that's possible either because of their needs or because they've gone out and met other people, read other books that have given them the language, then ask for what they need. And so I think when it comes from someone that you trust, like you sharing with this mother, just giving her a different perspective, like your child's not being needy, your child's not being clingy, like your child's trying to feel loved and they feel loved when they're close to you, when you hug them. And, you know, how can you offer that without it being so uncomfortable for you? Is there like a scale? Can you like warm up to it? Can you like, is there a That's really good. Yeah. Is there a space where that feels easier for you? Like, is it on the couch or like, um, so just, yeah, examining how we can offer people that we care about love in a way that they can receive it and not just in a way that like is easy for us. Yeah. Well, I love, I really do love the way that you're just explaining it and just putting it all into perspective. So I've mentioned several times how, you know, my love language is currently in a shifting right now Mm -hmm. and I'm having really a hard time deciding exactly what it is. Like I said, it used to be words of affirmation, um, but I've realized, especially after having our daughter, Mm -hmm. that it's definitely quality time, Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's time that we're limited to. It's time that we really don't have, especially time alone. Um, And of course, you know, Dr. Gottman, which, you know, by the way, to all the listeners, if you have not listened to episode two and three, I highly recommend it. We are going over the seven principles on Dr. Gottman. But I talked about, especially in episode two, how um, he tells us that major life changes Mm -hmm. like having children Mm -hmm. and retirement illnesses Mm -hmm. can cause a change in that specific Mm -hmm. person. Um, And I'm going to assume, you know, also love languages being one as well. Yeah. Has there ever been a personal life-changing event for you that caused your love language to change? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's a really important one. Because I, yeah, I'll just mention briefly, because I think sometimes we become attached to an identity and then want it to be fixed because 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 we're attached to it, but it can shift. We continue evolving and different live events can shift that. And I think it makes a lot of sense that the birth of your daughter it has made time a lot more scarce for you. You have much less of it to yourself and in quality time with your husband. So it makes it more valuable because there's less of it and there's more demands on your time. And so I can see that shift, especially like having some Vanessa time, sometimes yourself, like being really important and, and like, you know, like also with your partner. Um, I think for me, the life event that made it made one of my love languages shift noticeably was a job I had 
that ended a year ago. So I was the manager and then the general manager of a really large and busy restaurant. And I worked really long weeks, like 50, 60 hours. But also the thing that was challenging is there was no start time and end time. Like I was kind of on call as needed all the time that the restaurant was open. And even when we were closed one day a week, I was just catching up. I was, I was barely keeping up. Um, and that's when my love language changed from quality time to words of affirmation, because again, it was, well, I think for me, it was also this thing of like, I didn't have a lot of time, but I wanted to put my time towards the job because the job brought me a lot of meaning and fulfillment. And so words of affirmation became really important to me because I needed people to name specifically what they needed from me and how I could meet that. And also I needed to know that I was being valued. And so the things that I was showing up for, I needed to know that my presence and my effort were valued. And that was true in the job and also in relationships outside of the job, like friendships and relationships. Um, and so, yeah, I think that was one of the times I noticed that shift. And I think my, my, my value, my relationship with communication has continued to grow and evolve. And I think the more it grows and evolves, the more I value communication, words of affirmation, um, even above quality time. And like you said, quality time is not screen time together. It's not movie time together. It's really conversation, being present, noticing someone else and like being curious about them. And so I think I've gotten so good at kind of like finding people I can do that with all the time. So it's made me value um, the thing that I had less of more, which is the words of affirmation. That's really good. Is there any last tips that you would give a woman out there on either like showing it to her husband or to her family or her children? Like earlier you said that your mom had to learn so are there any tips mm-hmm. that or on how a woman could learn? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I think notice, like take some time to observe. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. And just notice like when someone feels loved and then ask yourself, what is the thing that made him feel loved? And a lot of times when someone's frustrated, when you know, anger is an outward response for fear. And so what is just being curious? And I think with that advice, I would say there's no, there are no negative emotions. All emotions are information. They're That's all good. information about what we're feeling. And so being curious about both the positive and the negative emotions and trying to learn from those, what is important to the people in your life and also to yourself, like ask those questions to yourself when you feel loved oh man, I feel really loved and cared for by this thing. Like try to tie it to one of the love languages. What is the love language that this is most closely like related to? And then maybe name that for someone in your life, whether it be your partner or your child or, or a parent saying like, Hey, I feel really cared for when you notice that I got a haircut and like, thank you for noticing, or I felt really cared for when you gave me a hug, like when you saw me before we started having a conversation or you started venting about your day, like, thank you for doing that. So the, using the positive affirmation too, of what, how do you receive love and letting people know that that is noticed and appreciated. 
Um, so yeah, just noticing and being curious. I love that. That's such a great, great tip. One thing that I want to add to that is don't reject their love language. And the reason I'm saying that, Luisa, I felt so bad. Um, not, oh, it's been a minute, but I was doing the the quiz with my husband. So I was like, okay, you know, would you rather do this or this? You know, just having fun with, with it. And he kept saying, touch. And, oh, you know, a hug. No, a hug. And finally, I'm like, no, it's not. I was like, you're not a touch. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I caught myself like, he's telling me. He's mm-hmm. right now, he's telling me what his right. one of his love languages is. And right. here I am rejecting it just because he doesn't show it what I think he needs to show it. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Because I imagine you also, you think like, oh, I know you pretty well. I know what your love languages are. Like, I you can, you feel like you can take the test for him and know what he would answer, but you're right. He's also telling you, I want more of that. I want more of this touch. I want more of you, like, you know, touching my arm or giving me a hug for no reason at all. And so it's a way of communicating. So being open and allowing people to like to express themselves through the test and be open to learning something new that you didn't know, and that is welcomed. Be like. Just being open to that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Luisa, not only on the professional side, but also in the friendship side, I appreciate you and I always have. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I really hope that it's not the last time you and I meet. No, absolutely. Thank you so much, Vanessa. It's been such a joy to connect. And this is a great, important topic, very close to both of our hearts, I know. So thank you so much for having me. I hope that today's episode has brought something positive to your life. If it has, help us reach more women by sharing the podcast and also leaving a five-star review. Not on just mine, but leave a five-star review on all your favorite podcasters. It really does make it easier to reach out and empower more women. If you would like to be a guest or have any suggestions on future topics, email me at imperfectwomenpodcasts at gmail.com. I encourage you to live your life to the fullest. We'll chat soon. Great, you made it to the very end. Well, there's so much that goes into podcasting that I may not show, but what kind of podcast would be called Imperfect Woman without showing some bloopers? So enjoy. Help us reach more women by sharing it. Hombre. Not on just mine, but leave a five res- The Bible tells us that above all, to love each other deeply just because- Oh, love. Baby, estoy grabando love. It's okay. Okay, Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye, love. Joining me today is a gra- Baby! I can hear the cocoa melon!